gentlemen, let's broaden our minds. Lawrence. From the Ancient One Studio, this is the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer Podcast. Welcome to the Cube. <laughs> Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 100 me, 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 me. of the Cubic well, Shenanigans. Well, it's episode 100 for Dan. Yes, but it, it is for you as well. Okay. Of the Cubic Shenanigans Warhammer podcast, and I am, as Brendan said, your host, Dan. And I'm Brendan. Big episode, man. Big, yeah. Big achievement here. This is really celebrating the fact that we got this far. Oh, yeah. We're going to talk about... The evolution of the show. Got some listener Q&A. This is going to be an extremely casual show. We're not going to be talking too, too much Warhammer. Really only tangentially and answering questions and stuff like that. So, you know, number one, thank you to all the folks who sent in questions. That's great. Super appreciate yes. it. You know, we did cut down some of them. So if your question didn't make it into this episode, it, we have a little bit of a bank to work on for the uh, Q&A portion that we're going to be adding into the future. But yeah, it's a light episode. A lot of us talking about all the things that, you know, we've done to get to this point. So, yeah. you know, many of you have been along this journey with us yes. and we'll walk you through, I say, some historical <laughs> Some milestones Parts for of the sure. show. So. Yeah. And the rest of the show, you know, Brendan, to your point, is it's going to pretty much be usual. You know, we're going to have Whispers from the Warp. We're going to have Scriptorium, all that stuff. Mm-hmm. The only thing it's going to change a little bit is this or that, because we're going to have a fair amount of listener questions in the Q&A we do related to the episode. We're going to do a couple of catch-up questions in this or that this time. So we're not going to really ask each other a whole lot of stuff. And then just a couple of reminders at the end for folks of things that we're going to be doing in the future. So just a great, great feeling knowing we got this far. And I have poured us some single malt, yep. and I am going to propose a toast to everyone who has helped us made it to this point. So, sláinte. Yeah. Mmm. Smooth, man. It just slides. Oh, that's so good. Yep. So oh. in honoring our sibling show, Playing and Slaying, Dan, drinking with us tonight is some <laughs> Balvini 14-year-old age scotch uh this is the choice du jour of a uh, guest that we've had on the show nick mm-hmm, mckenna mm-hmm. many of you enjoyed his laugh yes. <laughs> that's what we're having tonight sounds good man there's plenty here so we can just sip the whole time yep. all right so with that ladies and gents we're gonna move on to whispers from the warp hello my name is inigo montoya you killed my father Prepare to die. Brendan, it is time to talk about what's been going on in our workbenches. Yeah, I'm all over the place, as per usual. Yeah. Uh, If I don't have a deadline to work through, (laughs) I'm doing kind of whatever. I built a unit of Revenant Seekers from the new Sylvaneth Battle Tome. Oh, yeah. That was pretty cool. I've painted a couple of Space Marines. You know, putting some colors sporadically on some Cruel Boys, building some Lumineth. You know, just nothing coherent, you know, (laughs) not making a lot of progress on anything, but just, I go, I should work on something. And like, I build a Slanesh Shard speaker the other night. Oh, that's kind of random. Yeah, that is very random. (laughs) Like, I don't know. You know, the points updates that Slanesh got, I was like, those are pretty good. I think I'll build a Slanesh model. So that's what I've been up to. Your focus continued to be 
more focused than mine. <laughs> well, literally, this will be the last unit I will need for my Nighthaunt army. I'm finishing up my last unit of 10 blade guys, so this will take me up to 40. And based on some games you know, that I played in the last couple weeks, I think that is a good number, no matter what the procession I have. Mm-hmm. They're all available. And once I finish them, I'm actually going to dive into my Dark Heresy box. Nice. And I think I talked last time how I want to build 10, prime 10. And since I know I'm going to be doing white scars i want to try to use some dry pigments and i actually got some pigment fixer which is really nice and i saw a video of how to apply it which was really cool so i want to give it a try because i want to try that i want to try some shading and some different things but those 10 models will kind of be my experimenting with different things to get that really weathered look i don't want this really clean white scars model that just looks pristine i want it to look beat up you know they're flying across the plains of Shigoris. They should be dirty and dusty, right? That's really where my hobby's going to be. And, you know, I'm going to be uh, traveling a little bit in the next week. And then we've got our tournament to get ready for. So I'm not going to have a whole lot of time to hobby because I'd like to get another, at least one more game in in a couple weeks before we head out to our respective events. And the fact is I have all those models. I can put them all on our beautiful dining room table and just kind of figure out what I want to take now. That is my hobby. In terms of what we've gotten, we're once again foiled by our friends at GW because our Sylvaneth books still did not get here. And it's crazy. Now, I'm calling the store tomorrow. He thinks they're going to have both of our books because they have one of our books when I call today, but not both. Like they're both on the same order. You didn't make two orders. No, it's silly. It makes no sense. But it is what it is. The question is since we got our Skaven books first, should we interpret this as a sign? As well, much as I don't like it, I think we have to. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that question of which book comes first is answered. As we've looked through them, though, I think they're both going to be of great interest. Whether we like the armies or not, that's not how we run here on the show. We, we're going to go through them and do what we always do. And My personal disdain for your army is <laughs> not anything to do with you. <laughs> I can be objective, I promise. Yeah, Yeah, right? I will begrudgingly agree that some of these things are good and interesting. We got a new battle box we spotted, which is Lumineth and Zinch, the Mm -hmm. annual... Oh, my God. Lumineth. Lumineth update. And then Zinch. So we know what the next two books are after that. So that's what we'll be talking about late summer, early fall. Again, I've said it before. I really enjoy when we have shows planned out well Mm. in advance. Mm-hmm. It's really nice, personally, that GW is doing the preview, basically, of what the books are going to be by doing the battle box, mm-hmm. and then like a month and a half later, the books come out and follow it. We know which ones we're going to have to be ready for. Yep, and that is great. It's nice to be able to plan like that. You mentioned that. I was looking through kind of the history of our show. I was looking through all 100 episodes, you know, what the WordPress and kind of went through and looked at the show notes and stuff. And it's like, there were a couple of stretches, man. We didn't have any battle tomes. And it was like, this is such a treat <laughs> to have these to do. All good stuff. Uh, this is the Day of the Chaos Space Marine. So the Codex and all the kit are coming out. There are patrol boxes for both Gene Steeler Colts and Chaos Space Marines. So if you are a Chaos Space Marine and 40K follower, you are going to have a treat. There's all good stuff for you coming out. Heresy, I haven't really opened my boxes. All I've been doing is reading my Libra Astartes, you know, my big book about my chapter. And I actually read through the lore, which I know most of it anyway. But it was still fun to read it. And then every Legion has like a bazillion options. It's really cool. Yeah, I really like that in both the Hereticus and the Astartes that they included like all the base stuff. 
in both of the books. There's not like a third, we'll call it like generic book that you have to Mm -hmm. buy. You can just buy the book that includes what faction half you want to play. And it includes all of the baseline stuff that you have access to. Yeah, like all the weapon stuff, everything Mm -hmm. you need. Yeah, You still need the rule book. Yes. um, But there's not like a generic like, here are the space marines. And then you have to have your like, they're the nice space marines versus they're the evil imperial space marines. Right, right. You know, the other thing is we know we're going to get some kind of a book on the other stuffs. Like the Sisters of Silence, Custodians, Imperial Army. Those kind of things are coming out too. There's a good roadmap for that. They seem to have like a weekly commitment of, you know, getting like heads and shoulder pads out. Great. We've seen a couple of heads and shoulder pads kits. So I'm really looking forward to that because I think a fair few of my units are going to be headless and shoulder padless for <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, sure. You want to get it right when you're doing something like this. I mean, we're both mature enough hobbyists that we know exactly what we want. And the beautiful thing about heresy for us is there's no hurry. Right. We could wait three months for stuff and it, we're fine with that. I've got some resin stuff from Forge World that I've got a unit of Mark III Space Marines. Cool. I've got a unit of 10 Forge World Rampagers. Oh, cool. cool. I've got a unit of five Red Butchers. Cool. Oh, nice. Those are all units I want to have anyways. Sure. So I'm going to work on those. And when like the upgrade kits and everything for the Mark VI armor all come out, you know, I can get the upgrades I want. I can get my chain axes. You know, I have the really the bareheaded, you know, world eaters. Oh, like, yeah, of course. You know, very important shoulder pads. Shoulder pads are important. Yes, so. heresy. And, like, I know all the bikes are sold out on the resin side, you know, on the Forge World mm-hmm. side for my white scars. Fine. I can wait. I can't you know. wait for us to get plastic bikes, I hope. Yeah, and then... Oh, uh, man. I really want to have a unit of guys on bikes with chainsaws. <laughs> That'll be great. Oh, meeting me with my lances and you with your chainsaws. It'll be wonderful. I have Whoa. a really... Sp- so Cindy just looked over. Cindy, I have a really specific goal for what I want out of Horus Heresy. And it's to take all of my models, give them chainsaws, and just push them up the board recklessly. Is it a good plan? I don't know. Does it matter? I don't think so. <laughs> the Leviathan, again... I'm willing to wait for a plastic one. Mm. I'm fine with that. It's a cool dreadnought. Yeah, so I know I'm going to get one of those because when I had my Thousand Suns, I had one, and it was really cool to be able to play with it. That's heresy stuff, I think. Games played other than Sigmar because we got some stuff to report out on. Starship Troopers, Terran Command is such a great game. Like They incorporate everything from all three of the movies. I think you kind of have to be a Starship Troopers you know, person who likes that movie and likes the story. To enjoy this, but they did a nice job of incorporating everything, and the narrative is good. I dived into a few of my StarCraft II favorites. I've got maybe half a dozen across the three characters, across Raynor, Arctanus, and Kerrigan mm-hmm. that I like playing, so I just grabbed those you know, 30, 40 minutes to play one of those and kind of burn off some stuff. So how about you with other stuff than Sigmar? Nothing really too interesting. I played a mission of Iron Harvest. I've been meaning to pick oh, that yeah. up to finish it because I have yeah. the DLC and I really wanted to get to the American DLC where they have the flying mechs. And I was oh, like, yeah. okay. I had forgotten how like every mission is like at least an hour to an hour and a half of your time. Oh, like yeah. no matter what. And they're challenging too. They really yeah. keep you working hard. Imagine being away from it for over a year and trying to pick it up like in the middle of one of the campaigns because as you know dan the degree of difficulty comes up with it as you move through it and it's like oh i made a terrible mistake walking away from this for so long i don't remember how this works i may have to start over god no i don't Mm -hmm. want to but yeah 
That's great. So, Good. Yeah, it's that. Iron Harvest. Mm-hmm. All right. So how about Sigmar for you? I know I've gotten a couple of games in, but other than our appearance, and we'll talk about our appearance on Dias Cast, anything else that you've been playing? I've played games of Warhammer, and that's all I'm willing to disclose at this moment. And sure, time. you yeah. have to keep that <laughs> under wraps. But this last Tuesday, you and I got to appear on the Dias Cast, their battle report. We did. And that was really cool that we could both be on there from the show. Episode 99 and a half. Yes, absolutely. And so we're not going to disclose the results. Go to their channel and watch what happens. Dan was playing Night Haunt and I was playing Trolls. It was a compelling game ensued. Yes, I would say to a certain level it was a frustration palooza for somebody, but it was good. I think we both played well. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we both played our armies the way they needed to be played, and I think we both learned stuff about the armies we played. I tried some things as I'm doing in every game that I haven't tried before, and some of it worked out really nicely. So, yeah. Yeah, so watch it. The Dias cast Trolls versus Night Haunt. Very, very cool. That was a great, great experience. And thanks to Nick and the crew and Justin and all those guys for having us on board. But really, there's no event changes from last time. ATC and Midwest Makeup are just a couple weeks away for us. It's mm-hmm. almost time. It's almost time for you to do list stuff for you, isn't it? L- yep. List lock-in? Lists are due on the 10th of July. So okay. I've got maybe a couple more practice games in to really get it narrowed down. But past that, we're getting there. I just got the pack for my event. I think they're due on the 8th, so I'm going to be on the road then, and yeah, so I'll have to figure it out. Before you'll turn the, it in early. Yeah, but you and I will talk through a few things, too. We mm-hmm. did before the show, and I want to just kind of walk through, because I may not get a game in before I have to submit my list. So those two things are coming. All the other stuff, NashCon, Siege World, Nova Open, all that stuff, Dragonfall and RockCon, that stuff's all on there. Any news on your buddies? No, not at this time. Nothing worth talking about. Havoc, going to be up for pre-order very shortly. That's the same weekend as Dragonfall. There is a Summer Renegade in Minnesota that got announced. Uh, It's going to be a doubles event. That's going to be the weekend of July 22nd, I think. If I had more vacation days, I'd probably Hmm. be signing up for that. But, you know, it's what it is. So, Yeah. yeah, that's what I know is coming up. All right, Coolio. Then let us move on to Emperor Lies, and let's talk about what we've been doing the last five years. <laughs> All right. I mean, what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, we're a time bomb. So, listeners, what we're going to do is go through a few things before we go through our listener Q&A. We're going to read the titles of every <laughs> single episode no, from God, episode no. zero Stop, to episode 100. So, and this is just a brief history. Some of you know some of this, but I think there's some points of interest here. The show actually started five years ago, 2017 in the summer, and it was started as a purely 40K podcast. And honestly, I was so brand new to podcasting. I had no idea really what was going on in terms of what I should talk about or what I shouldn't talk about. My host at the time was our friend Theo. You know, I kind of think of it as a carrier launch, and he was kind of like the catapult to get me going and get me moving in a direction. Again, I didn't know much about Sigmar at all. I think the only thing that in the first few episodes that I had exposure to Sigmar was I had built a very small Seraphon army. I know our friend Heath had helped me with that, and we played some games at the store and stuff. Mm. I think I took a small list to RockCon, actually, when they used to have some Warhammer stuff going on there. And that was it for Sigmar. Otherwise, we were talking 40K for sure. And then, you know, Theo had life events that he needed to deal with and so i kind of was anticipating you had the legendary solo episode yes it's true but episode eight i 
had talked to Brendan. We had actually met at the store, really, previously to you being on the show. We had talked through what we might want to do with the show, and you had some great ideas, and we kind of went for it. Because Heath had put us in contact. Yes. You know, you had been talking to him about... Do you know somebody who might be interested and willing? Yeah, and, you know, he said, I know someone who's, you know, got lots of time on his hands and (laughs) won't shut up about Warhammer. (laughs) His name was Brendan. Yeah, but even before there, you and I had to do quite a bit of negotiating on, like, what the show was going to be because I had no interest in 40K. None at all. And you had limited interest in Age of Sigmar. Yes. I kind of made it a a requirement that we were going to make it a... We're going to talk more about Sigmar, a lot more about Sigmar. Because at first we were talking about kind of like an even split on it. But... But I needed it to be like that it was going to be a a regular feature of what we did. Sure. Obviously, I've won the conversion battle. Uh, (laughs) The long war, as it were. Sure. Because originally you had me on as like an AOS correspondent where periodically, you know, the expectation was going to be that I was going to come on and talk about something important that was going on in Age of Sigmar or like content filler or whatever. Because you would come on as Dr. Death back in like episode five Mm -hmm. and then a guest appearance. You were like our first guest quote. No, I shouldn't say that because we did have another guest and we'll talk about that before that, a very prominent one. But yeah, so episode eight, that was four and a half years ago. You came on the show as a co-host. We have like competing timelines, you know, different calendars. Yes. Yes. We've talked about that. Yeah. So in a couple of episodes, I'll be celebrating another episode 100. Yes. (laughs) For you individually. Mm -hmm. Right. And then, you know, as you said, the show started evolving. My interest in Sigmar started picking up quite a bit. Because of how cool it all sounded. Yes. And how much fun we were having. We got to the point where Adepticon had come up Mm -hmm. and I had this really goofy list that spiders of spiders and stuff which was so cool and by the way my wife Cindy was not happy she got nowhere near my workbench because she actually has a phobia against spiders so this wasn't as I was building an army of these guys but I remember that I went to Adepticon to a team event my first real organized event and it was great great experience had a great time shortly after that I'm going to say shortly it was probably six months we did the first Bruce City I believe it wasn't even six months it was like it was six weeks. Oh, because it was because, earlier, right? Because Bruce like City Brawl was in April, yeah. Right, April, April, okay. So that was even crazier because that was a true soup list. I had all kinds of junk. Because like behind the scenes, I had just been like, Dan, just go to like two events, see if you like it or not. Yeah. And if you don't, whatever, like I'll drop it and, you know, I won't try and get you to do this anymore. Yep. And all this time, I was still playing 40K. I was still involved with a local group and doing things with 40K. So I still had that interest. But it certainly was starting to wane. We'll forward to episode 15 and talk about our first appearance for Tyler Emerson. He came on board as a guest. And what has become an annual event joins up when we had a new edition or a new general's handbook, what it evolved into. Mm-hmm. So this will be the fifth year when Tyler joins us next episode that he's been with us. And that's been since episode 15. So that's a long time ago that he joined us in terms of that particular conversation that we were going to have. I'm going to talk a little bit later about my favorite episode, which was 26. We'll talk about that. It was a Blades of Corn review. Okay. But I went back kind of to do some homework for the show prep. And I'm looking at how the evolution of my interest in, because yours were very constant. You were the Sigmar guy. You love talking about Sigmar. I am nothing if not deeply reliable. Yes, absolutely. Which is one of your 
the things I really love about you. You you know you can be counted on, and you might not like what you get, but that's ex- but, but it's exactly but you know what you're going to get. Correct. You're right. You know what to expect. My interest changed, and eventually, in episode 74, I made a hobby announcement. I announced that I was no longer going to be playing 40K. I was going to devote my time to Sigmar. And by that time, I had played in a fair amount of events, whether it was, a, it wasn't Adepticon. I didn't do any more Adepticon stuff, but all kinds of tournaments that you were saying, hey, you got to go to this, go to that, try this. Singles, one dayers. Yeah. You know. We did one dayers down to Chicago a couple times. And mm-hmm. I had started out with that really crazy list of destruction that soup list and then i kind of evolved into a daughter's list and that was my first real i would say serious tournament experience and we talked about that as you know we went through the episodes and stuff and then when nighthawk came out it was like whoa these guys are amazing and that was what three or four years ago it was quite a what 28 was it 2018 i think nighthawk came out second edition 2018 yep yeah so that's four years ago and i've been playing nighthawk pretty constantly since then i yeah you finished up your daughter's arcane right around the adepticon 2019 time frame and summer ish time frame of 2019 you picked up nighthawk have been playing it very religiously since yep and so that Evolution, again, would show up in the show. For those who have listened to us for a long time, know how that all went through. I think it was interesting, too, how you and I kind of adapted you know, the, the Sigmar was the focus, and we made it very clear because we've talked about how straightforward we are with our listeners. We want to let them know, and we want to speak to the truth here and let them know what our thoughts are and, and be honest with you guys as you're listening to the show. But it was interesting to be able to talk about those changes. And then when we ended up having these gaps, which became more and more prominent when the books weren't coming out, what I really loved about the way the show evolved was we were able to come up with some really cool ideas. And when I look back and I'm, you know, again, looking through those episodes. They weren't like, all winners, no, but... A the- lot of them were original. If nothing else, they were stuff that other people weren't talking about. Sure. And I think... It became more clear as we started doing that stuff that our focus really was a major part of our focus is educating people. Because one of the things I love about this show is I think, unlike some others which have their purpose, we're not focused on the competitive side, hyper-focused on the competitive talk through a book and those kind of things. We want we understand that everybody has a different commitment to the game. Yeah. You know, and there are people who, you know, want to go to tournaments and want to be successful. There are people like yourself who are very focused on being competitive and winning those games and winning those awards. And that's another level. We have people we know that are just they love playing the game and rolling dice. And we want to be able to talk to all those people when we're doing like battle tome reviews or when we did our, you know, Art of War thing. That's for everybody. It doesn't matter what level you're playing at. And I really enjoy the fact that we've been able to come up with stuff like that to help any level of player get better or learn more about an army. Let's say, you know, you hadn't even thought about playing something. My hope is, and I think we've gotten some feedback that I hadn't even thought about playing that army before, but it's of interest. Yeah. And again, we're very clear, you know, it doesn't mean that this army is going to just destroy people on the table, but you might have fun playing it. And these are some of the things we think are good and not so good, right? <laughs> yeah. And so that's kind of how we evolved. And then obviously we've hit a real sweet spot now. We've come all the way around this circle where we just got this beautiful- we went from absolutely no books and we were trying to find something to do every <laughs> single episode to we have our episodes planned out for, at minimum, the next two and a half months. Yeah, absolutely. One of the things that I thought, Brendan, is kind of, we're going to have to have some conversation about is we've got events we're going to. How do we work that in? Yeah, because I think 
I've gotten some feedback that people really enjoy kind of us talking about where we where travels and the other things around it. Like one person gave me some really good feedback about that episode where we talked about eating at the Waffle House. You love know, Waffle House. Dave was with us then and it was really, people were like, that was just fun to listen to. I think that was the end of Circle City when we did that last year. Mm-hmm. So Dave wasn't with us for that Waffle House one. Oh, Dave that was, was, Nick was there. Yeah, Nick was with us yeah. at Waffle House. Dave was at NashCon though. We did eat at Waffle we House. We did eat Waffle House, him. yes. Yeah. Remember that? And we also ate at Waffle House in Missouri. Yes. <laughs> if there was number. to be a Waffle House that opened up in Milwaukee, Cindy... I would be there with shocking regularity on the weekends. <laughs> and I would be joining you. I know what I'm doing for Saturday morning breakfast, man. Like, that's the next evolution of the show, right? Is a Waffle House opens up by us. We just go to the Waffle House and then follow from the Waffle House to recording the episode. It doesn't matter that it's going to be like 8.30 in the morning. Well, it might matter to Cindy. That might be the thing that's important. I'm secretly the old man of the show. Yeah, right. Where I wake up at 6 a.m. and... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think that's kind of where we are. That's kind of the evolution of the show, kind of a recap of the history and how we got where we are. So appreciative of everybody and being able to get this far and be, I think, in a lot of ways, kind of a niche resource for people. So that's kind of where we are. And we're at episode 100. A couple other things we're going to talk about before. We're going to talk about some lessons we've learned. (laughs) And there are a couple significant ones. Uh, We're going to talk briefly about our favorite things about the show. And then the future of the show, there's three or four things that we want to kind of stress to people as they're looking forward to listening to us more or, you know, people have joined us recently, which we really appreciate. Lessons learned. There's two things. Two big things. And they are significant. The first one is sound. And if you have the chance, now I'm not... You don't have to listen to the whole episode. No. But if you just go back to like episode 20 or 25 and you listen to the sound quality or you listen to a guest that was... Oh, the guest sound was bad. And and I'm going to say right now that we were so fortunate and blessed to have two of Black Library's most notable authors on the show very early. I can't believe you swung that. In retrospect. (laughs) Episode 3 and episode, I believe it was 10 with Graham and episode 3 with Guy Haley. I want to publicly apologize to both those guys for not having our stuff together. I, in retrospect, I wished I had waited a lot longer to reach out to them. We have improved significantly over time. We continue to get positive feedback about the sound quality when it's us. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I want to work on as we go forward is how to improve our guest sound quality. And I think we will do that. That is very much the thing that we have struggled with. Yes. And so we'll discuss that a bit. We talk about the future of the show. We really appreciate hearing from you that, you know, our sound quality has improved, especially in the last, I'd say, 30 35 episodes. It's great validation for us and it's helpful that we know we're doing that right and we we can continue to work on other things. The other significant lesson learned is we have on occasion lost not only parts of but complete shows. Yeah, those whole shows have hurt. That has been really There was one in particular, and it was lengthy. I remember you calling me about it. And I hung up the phone, and I just kind of sat there, and I was like, that was four and a half hours. (laughs) Oh, it was horrible. (laughs) It was horrific. The great thing, again... You know you're doing the right thing when you learn from your mistakes and things that don't go well. So we put protocols in place like we do pre-checks on our equipment now. and We run in much smaller segments. Yes. And the other thing is we do interval testing. So every 30, 40 minutes, we'll stop recording and just check to make sure that we actually recorded. <laughs> sure. So if we lose something, we're not losing the whole four and a half hours. We're only losing a half hour. Because as much as like the re-podcasting hurts, the thing that I actually like the least about it is... 
I don't know how you are on the other side of it, but I'm trying my best to recreate the exact show that we oh, just lost. Yeah, that's tough. And it feels so robotic. Yes. Because so much about what the show is, is we have like a list of talking points, but mm-hmm. then everything else in between is just you and I talking about the subject matter at hand. Mm-hmm. And that is inherently natural, but to try and recreate something natural is automatically by definition you know, synthetic. And I feel like it, we end up having a, a worse show as a result of it. Yes. The I, toughest I, part, going even more granular, sure. is like if we were doing a book review and you really liked a unit or something in there, and I am just, I can't believe it. I can't feign shock the second time. Like It's, <laughs> it's true. Yeah. Like when you go, oh, I really like, you know, so-and-so unit because this, that, and the other. And I go, what? <laughs> How? Yeah. Yep. You know, because the second time I'll be like, wow, Dan, I really can't believe that. That seems. <laughs> and the first interaction has already shaped the way that you're going to approach the conversation again. So you're not even going to necessarily approach it as the, you know, driving 60 miles an hour into that curve. Right. And me going. Huh? <laughs> right. You know that you have to take that curve at 45. Yep. I still have to do that and emphasize it. Yep. So. To make it entertaining. There's that entertainment piece you lose, to your point. Yeah. Those are just a couple of things. And we think that we have certainly worked on and improved both of those. And we're going to continue to make sure that we don't have those two issues. Because those have really been the most significant ones. We've I think we've deal. also really improved our approach to the way we go about the battle tomes. Mm. Mm-hmm. Where, sure. you know, the early Battle Tome reviews was just reading it in order. Mm-hmm. And this was a suggestion of Dave Nordstrom's, I believe, mm-hmm. which was to actually break it up so that you talk about the things that need the context after you have presented all of the things with the necessary original context. And the example of that would be we talk about heroes and then go talk about enhancements. Right. Because then you have the context of what the heroes are and what they do. And why those enhancements are meaningful. Then we do units and then we go back and we do, well, you know, at the time it was battalions. But then, you know, we sometimes do sub-factions at the end because... So the sub-factions might only make sense if you know the units. Sometimes right. the sub-factions make sense before, you know, where you need to have the context of the sub-factions before you talk about the units so you can understand their design and driven purpose. And that's having that context that you're talking about and being flexible enough to do that. Mm-hmm. I think you're right that we've gotten better at that as well. I think it imparts more knowledge and understanding at the end of those episodes than just like, what was that War Scroll that they thought was really good? But they said it was going to be tied to that one artifact, like, you know. And you talked about the artifact before you talked about the hero, and so I don't understand. Sure. Yeah. Okay, so the next thing I want to talk about is just both of us kind of share some of our favorite parts of the show itself. One of my favorite things is just being able to share so many ideas and opinions and thoughts with so many people at once. I really like being able to educate listeners and give them options in terms of building armies. You know, you don't have to just go straight, tear the board up competitive. You can do some other things, mix some things in, mix some units that are good, but may not be perfect on the table in a tournament, but just to be fun to play and still be good, that kind of stuff. I like meeting listeners in person. That is one of my favorite things because you have no idea who these people are on the other end listening to you. And then when someone comes up or they hear where you're from, you know, I've met people who've become really good friends. and It's like, wow, I didn't know you were such a fan of the show. Sure. And it's really neat to just sit down and talk to them. And it's neat for me that the show's part of my hobby journey. It's not just models on a table. There's other things. I mean, when you go to events or you play games, whatever it is, in a narrative setting, competitive setting, that's all part of your hobby. You know, it's not just 
putting paint on models. Mm -hmm. So those are some of the things that I really like about the show. Some of the things that it gives me in terms of being able to help and, you know, touch the community and help the community out. So I think the thing that really requires some thought and effort on my side to, to kind of get my head around has been the fact that number one, we're Doug's favorite podcast. Mm. Doug runs an incredibly successful YouTube channel. Oh my gosh. Yes. I don't mean to mean us in any way, shape or form, but like, what are we doing? (laughs) You know, we don't remotely hit the same number of listeners and viewership that he does, but you know, that we have very prominent community members that really like what we do. Mm -hmm. And on the other side, I didn't think about it until he had brought it up to me, but Nick from the Dias cast, the first time I met him, told me how much he really enjoyed the show and how impactful it was to his getting started in Age of Sigmar and that, you know, and that we were, you know, kind of the gateway podcast for somebody to get introduced to the community and that we are that for a lot of people because... When I think about where I am, you know, I have, you know, this list of podcasts and like these lists of players where I'm like, oh, you know, they were the OGs, you know, like these were the guys, you know, back in my day, all all that kind of stuff. But there's always another wave of people coming in. Mm -hmm. And it's so weird to think that there are people that that sit there and they're like, oh, cubic shenanigans. He's like, they're like, oh, those are the guys. (laughs) Like, those are the guys you got to make sure you have on your RSS feed. It really is humbling. It, It is, Brendan. I find it so odd. Because, and this is like the one part of my life where I don't believe like wholesale that I am going to just do it with extreme excellence and second to none kind of things. Like, sure. Because I listen to all these other podcasts. Like there's an F1 podcast I listen to. Mm -hmm. They have a million subscribers. Oh, I know. It's insane. A million. Oh, yeah. What? Uh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. We couldn't touch a million no. If we wanted to. No, not, no. <laughs> they get more downloads in a day than we do in a month, you know, like, or in an is, hour than we do in a this month. This is hobby beyond hobby. Yes. Right? Like this, like this is something in my mind that we do strictly for fun. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I get nothing out of this other than like, it's fun. Well, and we've made it very clear from early on in the history that we are going to remain ad-free. This isn't a money thing for us. You know, people want to help. We right. And by the way, this segment brought to, to you by send me money on PayPal. <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, no, we really appreciate people who have taken the time and, you know, gone to the website and done that because there are some sunk costs here. I mean, we have to buy battle tomes. Mm -hmm. Most of mine, I don't keep unless I think I'm going to play or there's a chance I'm going to play them in the future. Yeah, you donate them and... Right, and do whatever else. I keep mine. Yes. There's that. There's all the hosting costs, you know, those kind of things. So, but we don't do this to generate income. I mean, it's just not the reason that we're here. I really like when someone... That we meet, you know, comes up to me and goes, I hadn't considered, you know, playing this unit, put it in my list. I approach the list, you know, in the army and kind of the way that you're talking about. And I totally see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. That's super cool. Right. Yeah. We had one of the listener questions. He kind of gave us some background, but he said that he was playing Beast of Chaos after he listened to the episode that we did on Beast, you know, all those years ago, it seems. And yeah, wait, that's for really Games cool. Workshop to send me my commission check on some of these things. <laughs> right. But that was neat to your point to hear that helped him make a choice. Yeah. And that's really, really cool. Let's move on a little bit to some things in terms of the future of the show. First of all, I want to say that, you know, because I've had some questions about the format of the show. Mm -hmm. And 
I remember talking to a very prominent podcaster. He and his business partner have like four or five podcasts they do. And I was talking to him about, you know, what kind of things. He, he said the most important thing is to be consistent in your formatting. He says because if all of a sudden you have the next episode where you've changed a bunch of stuff because you think it would be cool or it'd be the thing you need to do, you're going to lose a lot of people who listen to you for a certain reason. You're for your, And if you're picking up new people, you want to, again, be consistent in your format. Mm-hmm. So I think that's something we're going to continue to strive for. We may add a few things here and there, little, you know, kind of incremental changes. You'll have enough warning. Right. The other thing is guest sound quality. We kind of spoke on that a little bit on the periphery earlier. High on the priority yes, list. We're going to really work on that. The other thing we have talked about and we are going to do starting next episode is a listener Q&A. And we're going to do that in the show close segment. Some of you have been gracious enough to send us questions for our listener Q&A now for episode 100. But if you have other questions, and I think in particular, Brendan, what we're looking for is if you have questions based on what you heard in that episode. Mm -hmm. So whether it's something we talk about, about releases or in scriptorium or... We did a battle tome review. You got a question. Yeah. We'll we'll pick out one or two or, you know... However many. Mm. And that's something we're going to add. The other thing that you will probably start hearing more and more, and we certainly have alluded to this over the last few episodes, is Brendan and I have both made certainly a monetary commitment, but I think a hobby commitment as well to start moving more and more into the heresy. Sure. And so you're going to hear us talk about it. You're probably going to hear us talk about games we've had, how we're hobbying with heresy and those kind of things. If you will hear more and more of that. It's not going to in any way just overwhelm the other stuff, but it's going to be a part of the conversation we yeah. have. So those are some things I think to look forward to in terms of the future of the show. Yeah. I promise to continue to develop unhinged characters from time to time. <laughs> yes. Just real nonsense bits, some of which I make up on the spot. Yeah. Strangely enough, they continue to work. Wow. So keep it coming. And I also I think wanna... you might be the only person <laughs> that, that feels that way. That's okay. That's all right. I'm the host. I edit this thing, man. Sure. I get... Strong I... editorial powers. <laughs> yes. I want to close this part of talking about the show with some thank yous. And first of all, I want to thank all of our listeners and their feedback. It's been... Individually, starting alphabetically. <laughs> right. I want to thank you for coming along in this ride, man. You've just been such a great part of the show. And, you know, I've really appreciated getting to know you and, you know, becoming... A, we've become very good friends over this time. And We really that. started the show as borderline strangers. Yes, absolutely. We've had some brief conversations about... You know, the, the About show Warhammer. Itself. Right. I want to thank all of our guests who have come on for whatever reason they were here, whether to talk about a role-playing thing or whether to talk about, you know, GHB or, to, or you know, specifically our two Black Library guests. But anybody who's come on as a guest, we love having you on the show because we love hanging out with friends and having those kind of conversations and having them be a part of the show. So thank you all for those of you who come aboard. I want to briefly thank my wife for her patience Sitting with... Through all of these episodes. <laughs> yeah. Although I think she enjoys listening to us. Well, so yeah. So hold on. Cindy, what's your favorite part of the show? Okay. This the are questions that. for each okay. other. Okay. Her patience though. Like we record and, you know, we open our home here to you for a couple few hours, you mm-hmm. know, when we record. But then there's the extra six to eight hours of editing because I'm the... You put the, in a lot of work. I'm the bad micro editor. But I think... I need to. I think it. We sound a lot better for it. (laughs) Yeah. And she, you know, gives up that time as I'm sitting at the computer getting through this. Thank you for all of that. Here's to five miserable months on the wagon and all the irreparable harm that it's caused me. 
What we're going to do is we're going to move into some listener questions that we got from different people. And some of them are directed to both of us, some to you. Some to you. Yeah, some to me. I got a lot more aimed at me. I don't know what that means. <laughs> so I'm, the first I'm one... sure there's something to pick apart here, like <laughs> about behaviorally what I've encouraged. So the first one's from David, and he's the one who kind of gave us a little bit of background about why he likes Beast of Chaos. But his first question is for you. If you were going to run a Beast of Chaos army now, Brendan, what would your list be? This is a really good question because I think one of the armies that has benefited most, number one, from a white dwarf is Beast of Chaos. Mm-hmm. Number two, I think that an army that is largely Galatian veterans, and we'll talk about more of this in the handbook if mm. some of this words is nonsense, is the bigger stuff in Beast of Chaos. I think there is meaningful ways to run Minotaurs, uh, Bulgors, sorry, that's their official Bulgors, Warhammer yeah. name. Dragon Ogres. So Dragon Ogres were really good even before this. They're good now because they don't have to be Galatian veterans, so your opponent's not going to get the benefits against them. I think the Dragon Ogre list is the most competitive version of it. And we can do them as hunters well, right? So you can take them as bounty hunters because they are troops. But I love Bastigors. It's just the way... I like the models. I like that part of the army. I really like the more gore half. You know, maybe I will after I get done with this ATC stuff. Is kind of explore what a gore heavy, you know, list looks like because that's always been kind of my pipe dream with Beast of Chaos mm-hmm. is running a gore heavy army and being successful with it. Zangor Enlightened on Discs are excellent bounty hunter units. Now, obviously, mm-hmm. we'll see what all of that looks like in a few short months. But I think if you're looking to go competitive, you're still staying Dragon Ogres. I really don't think you can go wrong going with anything else, but I would run a couple of bigger bricks of Bestigors. I would have a lot of gore heroes and then uh, some monsters to fill it out. Okay. Maybe some enlightened on disc because they are technically gores. Okay, cool. Thank you. Then we've got a few questions from our young friend Ellis. Yes. And the first one he addresses to both of us, what do you think is the best army in AOS, competitive-wise and model-wise? Now, this is, of course, Dan at his level, but I think Skaven are going to be very competitive. So that's going to be my competitive side pick. I love the Night Haunt models. You talk about Coach. Blade Geist are some of the coolest models in this hobby. Nagash. I mean, come on. You got a Kurdos, Alinder, you know, Rikinor. Just, there's this almost every model is just cool and mm. looks good. Except for the Heritance. <laughs> but, I mean, it is just a great army in terms of models. That's a good pick. And that was one of the things that was really unfortunate about Night Haunt was how criminally bad they were (laughs) for a period of time. My favorite army? Is that the question? Your favorite army in terms of competitiveness and then models? In terms of competitiveness, Soul Blight in terms of Mm. competitiveness. Okay. I am happiest pushing big bricks of skeletons around the board, drawing weird shapes with my units. Yes. I like to express my wins artistically on the table. I once drew a heart out of ghouls uh, playing against Bryce. I like to draw weird shapes with my big units. This is the kind of like really insightful tactical information that most competitive (laughs) players won't tell you. My favorite army aesthetically, Slaves to Darkness. Okay. I don't think that there's much better looking armies than a well-painted Slaves to Darkness army. Okay, cool. Now, the next one, again, is for you, and he talks about a choice. This is such a good question. I'm so displeased with him for asking me such a good question. (laughs) So Ellis asked, Brendan, would you rather play at least one Skaven list every tournament or always have a losing record at a tournament you go to, but you wouldn't play any Skaven at those events? And 
I've not been shy about how much I don't like Skaven. If I was made leader of Games Workshop for a day, the one thing that I could promise would happen was that army would disappear from the books, from the model ranges. They'd never exist. The lore, everything. I would hire censors to come through and (laughs) strike them from the record. (laughs) And so he's counterposed it with, I don't like losing. I think I've figured out the way around this question. Oh, okay. All right. I would like to play at least one Skaven list in every tournament so I can ensure that they lose. (laughs) That list would lose. That's good. I think that's it. For me, the next question said, Dan, would you rather win 95%, in other words, go 5-0, of your gains but never truly enjoy them or lose... 95% or all your games, but always have a good fun time. I can relate this to a job I had as a business executive. Mm -hmm. I made really good money, but I absolutely hated my job and I very much disliked the people I worked with. And so I was miserable, but I made really good money at it. And then when I became a teacher, I loved my job. I just loved being. You're retired from teaching and you still love what you got out of it and the lasting impact that you made with and I, it. And I, you know, the contact I have with students that still reach out to me and stuff. And the easy answer for me is I would rather lose all of my games and still go to a tournament and have a great time. Sure. Because that's the reason I go is meeting people, rolling the dice in the game, having those epic moments, whether they're a miscast for Nagash on the first spell or whether they're you know, beating somebody I wouldn't have expected to beat. That's my answer for that. The next question is for both of us. If you could play any army in 40K and AOS, what would it be? So my answer there is I, if I was playing a 40K army, I'd play AdMech. I just loved the models, the rules, everything. Loved AdMech. I loved them in the stories. And if I was going to play a AOS army, I would play, other than Nighthaunt, I would play Zeech. Hmm. Because I love Screamers. I don't know what it is about those models, but I just think Screamers are so cool. I think that the Lord of Change, the giant, you know, bird guy, I just, I love that. And Kairos, those things in the lore as well. So that would be my choice for an AOS army if it wasn't Night Hunt. Okay. My answer for this one, I'm very lucky to really have, you know, all the armies I really want. In AOS, yeah. Yeah, in AOS, it's Bone Reapers. It combines my love of all things skeletons, you know, with what I think is really one of the coolest armies in Age of Sigmar, period. 40k is a little bit tougher, but, you know, when I think about it, it's also not very tough. One of my favorite armies that I've ever played in 40k was Tank Guard. Full mech company. Lehman Rus and yeah. Chimeras. Bane Blades. Yeah. Sentinels. Yeah. Give me no squishy bodies. Okay. Walls of iron. Cool. All right. Those are his questions. The next one is a listener uh, that sent me a question. James. His name is James. He said, what is your favorite segment of the show? I think everyone has the same favorite segment. It's I, this or that. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And I'm just glad we continued that and started it and in the first place. And I think it's fun for both of us. I know I enjoy trying to put together questions and hoping, crossing my fingers. I haven't asked it like three times already. Because if you've asked that question like 10 episodes ago, I wouldn't remember. I don't think even one of us would. Because they're five questions, you know. That's definitely mine, yours as well. My goal in this or that and I'm sure the listeners have figured it out as well as you have is my goal is to have one question where you just go why (laughs) (laughs) the fun thing is you always throw those open-ended questions even though it's supposed to be a choice Mm -hmm. and those are the ones that always stump me I'm like well I need some time infinite choices is still a choice (laughs) right sure (laughs) then Andy 
asks the listener, Andy, he said, if you had to play an AOS Chaos army, what would it be? Well, I kind of just answered that. I say Zeech for me. How about yourself? I've also kind of answered this in a roundabout way. Mm-hmm. It's Beasts of Chaos. Okay. Close okay. second being Slaves to Darkness. Yep. I really loved painting up my Archeon and Varengard. Now oh, they were sure. a grind. But they're done. But they're done. The other part of it was, you know, I went into it with a very specific goal in mind of, I'm going to take this semi-new tool in the form of contrast paints and see what I can do with it as a skill, as a tool. So, like I said earlier, when it's done well, it looks really good. I think they have one of the more interesting play styles out of the chaos book. Cool. All right, the next one is a non-AOS question. This is Terry. Mm -hmm. He said, if you had to lose one of your five senses, what would it be? For me, it would be my taste. Mm, Really? Yeah. I know I've talked to people. I mean, Nick, I think, lost. Didn't he lose his taste for a while? And I'm just thinking, like, if I lost my sight, I just can't imagine a world where someone has to deal with, or losing my hearing, as much as I love music. I love it. That would be my choice if it was to not taste food anymore. And it'd be like, yeah, okay. How about you? Mine's a no-brainer, but not for any reason that anybody already knows. I've never had a strong sense of smell, and it has paid dividends for me when I was working as a maintenance guy, because part of that job was emptying out 55-gallon drums of garbage (laughs) and putting them into a 30-foot dumpster in the middle of July in the hot summer. Man, if you can't smell, that job is super easy. (laughs) You know, because I had coworkers that really hated when they got the garbage assignment because I know I can't smell very well. Sure. And, you know, there'd be some times where I'm like, oh, that's rough. But I'd say just go the whole rest of the way. Like, I'm already limited in this capacity. That's perfect. All right. The next one is from our friend uh, Alex Malonis. Mm-hmm. He asks, the first question is, what makes your co-host a joy to work? There's a few things. First of all is your love of the hobby, Brendan. I just love your passion for it. And it's really cool because it's so infectious. I mean, honestly, I have to say over time, it pulled me over to the Sigmar side and it has kept me strong on that. And that's really cool. I like how you invest in the show that you really want to make it really, really good because that's you. You want to do everything you do well. Uh, And I appreciate that as the host having someone to work with that really is committed. I like your willingness to teach others. And we've talked about this a little bit before, but I know that when you're playing games, especially if you're playing someone who's less experienced, and even if you're crushing them on the table, you always take the time to just stop and say, oh, you might want to do that or you might want to do this. And I think that's really cool because a lot of people who crush other people, they're just like, die fool and they'll just roll the dice and just it's over in you know the bottom of two and they just walk away and nobody learned anything and I I think that's really cool that you're willing to do that I think your sense of humor if people actually listen to the show they'll realize you have a really good sense of humor and it's just it takes it takes several episodes to build up an understanding of what I'm trying to go for (laughs) or it's I I can't imagine coming into one of these shows with absolutely like no context yes you're like this guy is such a weird dude (laughs) It's cool because sometimes it'll just be little intonations and you'll be like you said, what? Or you'll drop a little something. You'll go, I actually think that unit sucks. You know, or something like that. I just love that because it it adds something. I always laugh inside, if not outside. And then the other thing is your integrity. I really think as a person, I know when you run tournaments, you know, whatever it is, you strive to make sure that everything is done on the up and up. And those are all things about you that I I would be very bad at my job if that wasn't like part of my core characteristics. Yeah, Right. That's my answer to the question. You know, Dan, the things I appreciate about you. <laughs> Dude, <it> pixie dust. <laughs> <laughs> Number one is consistency, 
right? I'm a person who thrives on consistency. I think that's the way you're wired. I don't think you've made any special changes for you like knowing that that's something that I need. Nothing drives me crazier than like friends of mine who will schedule things at the last minute or, you know, they'll be like, oh, we should do this. And like, I'm just kind of waiting on them like all day. Dan, we schedule on two week basises. You know, it's Sunday, it's at this time. Something's not gonna work. We're planning out several weeks ahead. That makes it really easy for me because if it was like a, we'll call it kind of a chaotic scheduling of like, oh, well, you know, Wednesday night this week doesn't really work for me, but you know, Thursday does and you know, this one does or this one doesn't like, it almost becomes part of like my routine for a weekend. You know, every other weekend, you know, I know that there's going to be a fair chunk of time where, you know, we're going to come over and do that. And like, even not just the show is structured, but like, there's almost like this like little bit of ritual that we have, mm-hmm. like with the show where we come over and we talk for like 15 minutes and, you know, we cover X, Y, Z, whatever. And then, you know, we get set up for the show and then we do the show. And I really appreciate the consistency. You know, you're talking about your enthusiasm for the hobby. Dan, you're an enthusiastic guy all the time. (laughs) If we didn't say that, you know, if I didn't regularly make jokes that you're an old man, (laughs) I do genuinely think that people would assume that you are the younger of the two of us. Because you do have more of the, and I've received this feedback from listeners, is that your energy is one of those things that like really keeps people going, you know, Mm. for some of this stuff and that. One of the things I've had to learn over the development of the shows is how much like to just let you go and, <laughs> you know, be the puppy that's running around the room you know, where I have to look at it and be like, OK, but, you know, like, let's back up just a second. I also really appreciate that you do all of the hard work. You write the show notes, you do the editing, you buy me meals. Right? The, <laughs> my job by comparison is so much more simple. It is to know what the subject matter is and have as strong as an informed opinion as I possibly can on the subject matter. Well, and to relate to that though, you know, you talk about the age and stuff, but I'm very blessed that I am retired. So I have the time to do that stuff. Sure. And it's fortunate that this is very time intensive. And so I'm really happy that I'm able to do it. All right. Then the next question, Alex asks, if you could add one thing to AOS, he lists like lore, rules, models, factions, etc. What would it be? I think I would actually like real vampires. We've talked about that, but you know, we know that they can do nautical theme stuff Mm because we've gotten Ideneth, you know, we've got like, we just got Ulrich, you know, a a dead boat, you know, that kind of things. So we know they can do nautical stuff, but I think it would just be amazing if they could come out with, you know, because everybody's talking about like chaos dwarves and stuff like that. No, no, no. Vampires. Because that would be so cool to combine like Soul Blight and Ideneth somehow and put together an army that feeds off of both those things. How about you? I want all of the Mortarks to have a model. That's what I want. I wouldn't even necessarily care if they didn't have an army that they were attached to quite yet. Right? Like you could give them the keywords that give you the idea of, you know, kind of what they're going to do. I want all of the Mortarks to have models. I want I so badly want to know what all of the Mortarks are and what they look mm-hmm. like and what's important to them. Because like, so we had, you know, Arcan, we had Neferata, we had Manfred. And we were like, wow, this is really cool. You know, there's six others that are out there. Neat. We got Lady O and we're like, whoa, what a cool, you know, concept for a Mortark. So different. Like, it's a totally different army. Absolutely. Catacross is so cool. Oh, yes. So cool. He's amazing. He's so cool. His model is insane. The base, everything with him. Yeah. Give me the other four. Yeah. More Mortarks. More, more Mortarks. Okay. So let's move on. Dave B Mm -hmm. has a question for you. 
It's a great question. He has two questions. Yeah, well, the first one is, why do you hate Skaven so much? And that's a great question. I think everybody wants to know the answer to that. Why can't a man just hate something recklessly? Yeah, yeah. You know, (laughs) it stems back to my childhood. And no, there's not like some convoluted story that I'm going to give where I was like kidnapped by giant rats or something like that. So at the store that I was growing up, there was another kid that played there who's a couple years younger than I was. His name was Matt Maharakan. Matt, I hope you're out there. I hope you're a listener. Incredible painter. He was so gifted and he also worked at it, which Mm. was the thing that was, you know, that really made him so excellent. He played Skaven. I never beat him. And the one time I had this game, finally, 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 I was going to beat him. Oh, wow. It was an artifact, the brass orb. Once per battle, you could throw it at an enemy unit that's like, you know, six inches away or something like that. You had to pass an initiative test or die. And so my Gorgon was in his backfield, and that meant that I was going to get, you know, the requisite number of points to win the game. This is all Warhammer Fantasy Battles, mind you. Throws the Brass Orb. (laughs) I'm like initiative six or something, so the only way that I fail is by rolling a six or something. Oh, God. (laughs) I know what happened, huh? And he rolls a six. I hate Skaven so much. (laughs) The bell is stupid. I hate it. All the rules that came with it. I don't like the way that those models look. I don't like their lore. I don't like they're used as the MacGuffins to defeating my favorite faction. They don't do anything. They're just there. I hate Skaven so much. Mm. Okay. So let's move on to something happier. Mm. If you were a dog, this is for both of us, what kind of dog would you be? For me, it would be a Jack Russell Terrier. My dog, when I was growing up in high school, he was half Beagle and half Jack Russell. And talk about zoomies man this dog like i think we had figure eight like we had two trees in our backyard i think we had this figure eight like track run into the yard he was just amazing but he always had energy and i think about jack russell's and i think we were in scotland once and we went to this one you know historical site and there's like a little booth you had to go up to well these two jack russell's like jumped up next to the guy running it and they were just like ready to go and i just love that kind of energy that those dogs have i would love to be like that that'd be cool if I were to be turned into a dog and, like, what kind of dog would I be? I'd probably be a bulldog. Ah. You know, a lot of just kind of, like, just hanging out, minding my house, minding my business. Not always super friendly, you know, but I can warm up to you kind of a thing. <laughs> I think that's, you know, what... You can snore, you can yeah. fart, you can do all the things yeah. that bulldogs do so well. Great. Nice. So the next tour for you, the first one is, why is it Warhammer Cannon that your ability to play is tied to your lack of sleeves? I think part of this is always beyond brand. I, very early on, developed a, we'll call it kind of a uniform for my tournaments. Mm. I wear Purdue shorts, basketball shorts, Mm -hmm. uh, specifically basketball shorts. I wear mismatched socks. You know, for a while I was wearing the guys from Milwaukee shirts and, you know, the Mm -hmm. cubic shenanigans. And then, you know, when we won ATC, I changed it to ATC. And all of those are very limited sleeve options. The reality is, is I just run super hot. Mm. And when you're playing Warhammer and, and, you know, you're thinking and, and you're super involved, like you are undergoing a stress reaction. Many people, you know, like your bodies heat up and you mm-hmm. start to sweat. And the last thing I want is to be a sweaty mess, like <laughs> while I'm playing a dice game 
So I need to build in all of my ambient cooling in my attire. Okay. But why that is tied, you know, my ability to play is tied to my lack of sleeves. It's the sleeves hold me back. You know, if I wear sleeves in a professional setting for the benefit of everyone else. Okay. All right. Just because you have to. Yeah. Yeah. All right. That's fair enough. And then one more question for you from Dave. Why do you love the Death Faction? I think it has to do with the fact that they're not inherently the good guys, but they're not inherently the bad guys. Kind of like what Destruction is, right? Mm -hmm. They're doing their own thing. But the thing that I really like about the Death Faction is it's the only faction that is like wholly monolithic. The whole Grand Alliance runs up through one character. Mm -hmm. Whatever faction you play is part of that bigger pyramid that runs up through that one character. And that one character is both simple and complicated. Sure. Um, Their goals are simple. Their interactions are very complicated. The relationship that that character has with his marshals that, you know, Mm -hmm. effectively report up through him are all very complicated. They're all there really against their will and for their own reasons. Like at some point you would think that they would try to break free or that they would try and topple the leadership. But the Grand Alliance really reflects well in the play style where Soul Blight has its own distinct feeling. It's shambling horde. Bone Reapers has its own feel where it's structured order. You know, you know it is a very militaristic, you know, mm-hmm. almost kind of Napoleonic style mm. is the way you're supposed to play it. Night Haunt is chaotic. It is just a wave of terror. The Flesh Eater Corps are their own kind of unique, like, thing. I think the whole Grand Alliance tells a complete narrative. Right, so the next question is from a listener who requested to remain nameless. Mm -hmm. And the question is, who is your favorite guest? You know, this is the cop-out answer. I'm going to say that I've enjoyed everyone, especially friends who've been on the show. You got to pick somebody. But I have to pick somebody, and I'm going to. I am going to. But I think when Tyler comes on board, it really is cool. We talk about the hobby because we're talking usually about, you know, either an addition change or a new GHB, whatever it is. His insight and just the way he carries on conversations are just really interesting and really valuable to learn more about him and how he thinks and what he does. And so I think for me, it would be Tyler as far as everybody who's been on the show. How about yourself so i hate when we pick the same artifact but that's also mine (laughs) so for sake of remaining interesting conversation i'm gonna pick jacob berry when he came on with us in uh, the midst of our pandemic episodes we did a simulation of uh, bruce city yeah we did because i was really unsure how that was gonna go i've come to really appreciate him as a person because there's one thing i can rely on him to be and it is chaotic oh yeah so i didn't know if he was gonna (laughs) be a helpful participant or if he was just gonna go rogue and do his own thing it's one of my favorite things about their show rage of sigmar oh yeah is that it posts on very irregular schedules oh yeah as a person who loves consistency you'd think that i wouldn't like their show at all there's absolutely no format to it at all there's no like normal length of time the one thing you can count on that is consistent is a... Is it's wildly inconsistent. It, well, it is, and there is a profusion of profanity. Yeah. You can count on that with those two, with Joe and uh, Jacob, so... I would love to have Joe on at some point, but I, I can't trust him to uh, <laughs> yeah. keep the show in the lane. No, Jacob did a great job mm. for us. It was really, really interesting. That's a great answer. Kyle asked an interesting question. He says, which pants is your favorite pants? Now, I took this two ways. Mm-hmm. I took took this either it was literal like what kind of pants do you like to wear okay but i also thought about it with pants mafia mm-hmm. like all the people in pants mafia are the pants you know yep. and 
I'm sorry, but I am going to, the first answer is blue jeans. There, there's just no questions. When I was a teacher, one of the things I couldn't believe was I actually got to wear blue jeans to work. It always drove Cindy nuts because she had to dress, you know, and kind of business casual, but I could just wear jeans all the time. It was so cool. Hey, Summer, that's one of the benefits of working in a factory. It, it, you get to wear jeans so cool. every day because you don't know when you're going to end up in a machine. But here's the thing. The other part of the question, Kyle, is there are, you're kind of asking me, like if I have multiple pairs of jeans, like if I have five pairs of jeans, Mm -hmm. which pair is my favorite well i like all my jeans because i like blue jeans i really enjoy all the people in the pants mafia so that's just it and I, it's not a cop-out answer it's just the truth i'm willing to be the controversial person on the as show always, dan as you always are so when he talks about which pants is your favorite pants you know you have all your pairs of blue jeans that you like dan you know there's some pants that just fit you better Mm-hmm. You know, there's some pants that are, you know, just they've got that little bit more stretch, you know, when you need them to have that stretch, you of know, they, they show off your features maybe a little bit better sometimes. Yeah. You know, it's like your kids, you say that they're all your favorite or you don't have a favorite, but you know, you'll quietly admit to yourself. There's one of them. Okay, yeah. It's my sister. I know my sister is the favorite. <laughs> so my favorite pants out of Pants Mafia is Maximum Pants Christian Wear, mostly because I think if I don't pick him that I won't have a place to stay in Australia if I ever make it down there. <laughs> sure. And I need a native guide to, you know, yeah. to make sure I'm not attacked by the wildlife. Yes. Cool, yeah. They're a great group. All right. Dave Nordstrom gave us like four or five questions. So the first one is, which fantasy world would you rather live in? Age of Sigmar or Lord of the Rings? For me, that's easy. It'd be Lord of the Rings because I've commented before on the lore and the story with Mortal Realms. The Mortal Realms is just weird. It is just so weird. It's beyond Alice in Wonderland. It's just weird. And Lord of the Rings, at least I can understand a little better. And there's some, I don't know if it's consistency, if that's the word I'm thinking of, but I just like the setting. I like the characters. I like how the world functions. So for me, it'd be Lord of the Rings for sure. I would go AOS because it's weird. Mm. I know what living in kind of a normal world is like. Obviously, I don't know what living in like a semi-medieval environment is like. Sure. But I don't know. I think I'd like to, you know, at least see what a place that's full of weird nonsense. You see a purple sun, you know, just roll down your street. Like you've got tornado warnings here, purple sun warnings. Yeah. Run. Hide in the concrete bunker, even though they don't have concrete. Yeah. Yeah. Super weird. I don't know. It sounds like fun. I think you're very prone to dying in both environments, so you might as well live in the one that's more interesting. Okay. The next question is, instead of Lumineth Realm Lords, which book would you want updated annually? The first part of my answer is, annually is too often for any book. And so this is one of the reasons that I just despise Lumineth. But my answer would be whatever is the polar opposite in terms of being the most competitive counter to Lumineth, I would want that one updated just like we have all our books in pairs. I would like that book updated at the same time that Lumineth are updated. So they would have a perfect counter every time. They just be the absolute worst Battle Force release every year. I would pick Bone Reapers. That's my feedback. Okay. I would like Bone Reapers every year, please. Next question is, which is our favorite Horus Heresy and or 40k tank? My favorite is the Stormlord. Mm. Stormlord is a super tank, and it has two gigantic mega bolters in the turret. And there was this story called Eye of Vengeance by Graham McNeil about a very famous character, Tarias Telion. His group of scouts 
like run into a Stormlord. And just the sound, because it was an audio drama, just the sound effects and everything else, it was like, that's exactly what I would have expected. These two chimeras like come around a corner and it just opens up with them with the mega bolters and just shreds them. And it's like, oh, that's so cool. <laughs> so yeah, a Stormlord for me. Mine is the Lehman Earth battle tank. When I think of Warhammer 40K, mm-hmm. That's the vehicle I think of. I think of Lehman Rust Battle Tanks and Land Raiders. Horus Heresy Tank, I think, is the Mastodon because it's so ridiculous. So massive. Because it contributes to my desire of all I want from Horus Heresy is to take all my models and push them upfield. The Mastodon would allow me to do that but more. You can put like 40 models in that thing or yeah. some insane amount of Angron goes in it. A bunch of Terminators go in it. Some Rampagers go in it. Boom, 2,000-point army. Yeah. Here you go. Boom. Yeah, it's right in there. Is it good? No. Is it legal? Absolutely not. But it's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> then the next one is, if you lived in the AOS universe, what would your mount be and why? How about you go first on that one? I think this one's a little bit tougher for me because there's not a lot of like mounted units that I'm like really compelled by i guess if i have to pick like it's a griff charger mm. i think that's a they're like a horse mm. you know so i feel like you get around pretty quick with their like zip in and out of reality thing okay i bet yours is screamers it said a mount right it said a mount screamers are not mounts that's not true no the guys who ride they ride discs of zeech and chariots and zeech they're chariots. pulled by they're pulled by screamers but they're not mounted they're not riding the screamers if i pull up these rules dan and the screamers show up as a mount in the rules okay. what are they i'm talking about okay let me define that that a mount would be something i ride okay cuz if screamers were there i would pick them my pick though easily is as you're looking that up is a magma droth mm. i think magma droths are just so cool and somebody would be like well dan what about night haunt look i don't want to ride a nazgul horse okay i don't want to ride a dead horse i just don't it doesn't yeah seem that cool. would be tough yeah so even with my inability to smell Magnetrons like that would be are for sure dan for clarity oh yeah i'm, I'm looking at the burning chariots of zinch yes which has uh some screamers of zinch pulling that chariot yeah it does and they are mounts mount this unit's screamer of zinch attacks <laughs> with their lamprey bites doug also owes me a round of drinks because he thought for sure that the answer to this question was going to be Leviathan. Oh, yeah, okay. All right. So thank you for the beverages, <laughs> Doug. And by the way, this is a question that Doug asked as well. Mm-hmm. So we have answered one of his questions by answering this one. The last question for, for, Dave. Uh, for Dave is if you had to move over to hardcore historical miniatures, would you go to Napoleonics or American Civil War? Outside of this, I think I'd prefer to play Ancients, but given the two choices, I think I would prefer to play Napoleonics, mostly because I'm not from Europe, and this has like no like long-standing meaning to me. Okay. I think I would like to play Civil War. I had to really think about this one, Dave, quite a bit. I mean, I would enjoy the painting because Napoleonics, man, there's so many different armies with so many different colors and all that. But most of the tactics that the armies used in the Civil War were derived from Napoleonic tactics. Mm-hmm. In fact, the prominent is I'm you know listening to these books about Lee and Grant. The prominent military philosophers of the time were all French, and all these guys at West Point were reading 
those books you know, learning from them. I just think that, you know, you see the blue and you see the gray, but there are so many different things that happen in the Civil War, so many skirmishes. Like you would have a cavalry unit run into an infantry unit or two cavalry units run to each other, or you'd have, you know, there are larger battles, but there were a lot of other battles that don't really ever make many of the history books that I think would be so interesting to play out that didn't seem like they were important, but there's so many different units. Like the 1st Alabama and the 11th Illinois are very different than the 10th Ohio and the 1st Mississippi. You know, they still had individual character, those individual units, and I think it'd be cool if the rules reflected that. And I've seen both. When I go to RockCon, they always play them, and so it's fun to watch, but uh, definitely I think I do Civil War. So, All right, so that's Dave's question. So, Doug, you're up, man. I think we talked about it a little bit, but his first question is, how did you two meet, and what is it about the other person that you enjoy? So we've kind of answered the question. Uh, I think Alex asked that question. What do you enjoy about your co-host? Mm-hmm. How did we meet? Well, we kind of met through Heath, I think, indirectly. We'd known each other at the store a little bit. Yeah, you were a guy that showed up, and I was a guy that showed up. and <laughs> We talked. You know, yeah. yeah. We were both, both polite. Civil people. Yeah. And so that's kind of how we met, though, and got to work on this. So that's the first question. What army do you think conveys the most the lore most accurately on the table, even if it isn't great? What do you think? Oh, this is a tough one because they've done oh. a really good job in 3.0 of getting that switched over. If you would ask this prior to 3rd edition coming out, I think this one's a little more straightforward. But I think one of the things that's been a heavy emphasis in the 3.0 books has been to make sure that the lore of the army is properly conveyed in the rules of the army. That being said, though, I'm going to go outside of 3.0, and my answer is Gloom Spike Gets, mm. because that army deals in high levels of randomness when, you know, like, when you lean into the army. I'll tell you what, they're very random. Yes. They do exactly what you don't want to do when you don't want them to do it. I love the rules, Brendan, in terms of the artifacts and some of the special rules for the characters. You know, all this stuff about mushrooms and all these things about, you know, whatever, all the creatures that come out. Mm-hmm. And it's just so thematic. And then when you read the Mortal Realms books about gets, you're going, well, that's exactly what was on the table or that's what's in the rule book. So, I mean, I can see what you're saying. Yeah. That's a good answer. I like corn because I think of the corn army and any unit that I think of, it's just, it's about blood. It's about destruction. It's about tearing your enemy up. Straightforward. Yeah. And their special terrain is blood this and blood that. And that's what corn is about is blood for the blood god. And so I think that army in that way is in rage. That's the other part. Rage and blood. And that is what I see on the table. And that's what I read when I read anything about corn. So One of the things in corn that I'd really like for them to lean more into is part of what is supposed to make corn corn is martial prowess. Mm. So that's one of the things I'd really like to show up in their heroes is for their heroes to be these really difficult, monstrous combat like challenges mm. where you're kind of like what Sigvald is. Like you have a corn or you have a Karn where you have Sig- Sigvald, you could have a Karn kind yeah. of thing. Okay. Obviously Karn's not in Age of Sigmar, no, but, but but yes, the principle remains where the heroes of Corn, you know, maybe they've got a bunch of attacks or they hit better, or they wound better, or they've mm-hmm. got a ton of rend or they just do a bunch of damage. Part of Corn is the martial prowess. And I just don't think the heroes get quite there. Okay. The one thing about Corn too that I wish, if we're gonna, you know, say something, I wish they did better that would be thematic is in the stories they are highly magic resistant, 
And I don't think the book captures that. They got a couple of special rules, like, you know, on a six up, you get to ignore the spell or something like that. But there are a lot of armies that ignore spells on four ups. Why can't Corn have more that they should? Mm-hmm. Because that's part of their story. They don't have any magic. If they come up with, against an army that is very magic focused, that has somebody who's casting on a three up, even though it's like a, a an eight cast stuff, you know, they're plus five to cast or something. It's like, eh, whatever. <laughs> and they should be able to kind of blow it off. So anyway. Okay. All right. And then one of his questions, the next one is about creatures to be a mount. I answered that, said Magmadroth. The last question from him is, what is your favorite, most unique award or honor you've seen at an event? I think that... The one I've always enjoyed the most, and you'll know the name right away, I couldn't remember it, but at Bruce City, you have the award that is kind of for an army that struggles or isn't like a top tier, but still has a winning record. Mm. What is that award? So that's the Special Snowflakes, a.k.a. the Hard Mode Award. That's and the one I it's like. it's an award given to an unusual, unique army that goes at least three and two. People have asked me to preclude armies from being eligible for it but i've always said that like even at the height of like when slanesh was winning like 70 percent of their game something Mm -hmm. silly if you took a pretenders list and you took one keeper of secrets and then you filled out the rest with just units i would entertain that you know as a special snowflake award yes you're playing a very powerful army you've taken the least powerful sub faction you've limited yourself on the things that make the faction good at the time, which was heroes and particularly keepers. Sure. And, you know, you've filled your army out with the things that make it fit narratively. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I'd consider that. Okay. You know, there are some armies that are very low tier that are competitive that really struggle to get three into. And I do consider those on the same footing as a very powerful book where someone took their foot off the gas to try and get over that line. Okay. Yeah, so that would be my favorite. How about you? My sibling... Favorite award here is, and this is a little bit of bias because I've helped pioneer, you know, this Tyler helped me write the Special Snowflake Award, which then inspired the Underdog Award, which I helped write. But the Underdog Award is probably my favorite that I've seen at events Mm -hmm. because it's taking the explicit acknowledgement of going, these armies are not very good. If you choose to come to my event playing this army, I have something special set to the side for you regardless of how you do for the weekend. Sure. And I think that's really important because one of my mission statements in Bruce City Brawl is to make game five matter for every player that's there for one reason or another. Yeah, that's good. So those are our listener questions. If your question didn't get answered here, it might be part of our show close in, in future episodes. So I know Vince, you asked one and I'm going to answer it here. Vince asked the question, Vince Venturella mm-hmm. asked oh. the question, Brendan, when are you going to play Skaven? And, and I have an answer for him. Rantathon, a charity event for mental health awareness, is occurring the weekend of July 30th and 31st. It Mm. begins at 10 a.m. on July 30th. One of the stretch goals is if we get to that point, Chat Gang, the infamous group that, you know, inhabits MEF's Twitch and Discord, Mm -hmm. will get to vote on what army I have to take to at least one tournament. Oh, that would be so amazing if they made you take Skaven. So if you <laughs> want me to play Skaven, and I've made my bones about it, of how much I hate that book, number one, you got to go to Rantathon and donate and make sure that we get across the boundary so that I am oh, obligated God. through my moral character and integrity, which Dan has spoken about here, to fulfill <laughs> the obligation to play an army oh. that you, the listener, vote on 
Now, if you don't all vote on Skaven, that's not my problem. But get it across that line. Vote for the army that you want me to play. Mm -hmm. And I promise that I will take that army to a tournament, a full two-day tournament. I will play five tournament games with that book that is requested, and I will play it at that tournament, regardless of how much I enjoy or hate that battle tome. Cool. Loving it. That is it for our general discussion of episode 100 in the show. So time for scriptorium. Oh, yeah. Et cetera, et cetera, et Moving on here, we have a lot of new releases. Very cool. The first one is a re-release. And for those who aren't aware, Araman is the chief librarian of the Thousand Suns uh, Space Marines chapter. Yeah, I've heard about him. He's, yeah, uh, he's around. He's a guy. And... John French wrote a series of books, and the last of the three is called Armin Unchanged, and they have re-released it. Except he he has been changed. Yes, of course. But there is a new Aramon book called Aramon Eternal, and it is ready to come out this weekend. So I read or listened to all the Aramon books. I was a big fan of his Magnus Stinks, Aramon Forever, and... I think I'll really listen to this one and enjoy it. It's been like five years since he last wrote an Armand book. And what was interesting was the first three came out like one, two, three, you know, and three years in a row and then nothing for a while. So mm. this is very exciting, I think, for a lot of Thousand Sons players. There is a book that is out called Prince Mesa, and it is an elf who is basically trying to revive or find his princess that he's lost. Uh, so his journey to get her back. It is also Chaos Space Marines Week. There is a subscription that we just had with the elves where you get a different story every day. I don't know how much I like that business plan that they're going with. (sighs) I'm not super keen on it. Moving on. (laughs) So the next thing, again, is part of the past, like Armand Unchanged. But the fall of Altdorf is out. So if you are into old world pre-Age of Sigmar end times, this is the second book in the series. And they're going to be releasing that. The last thing that is coming out is called Sabbat War. And it is edited by Dan Abnett, but it is a collection of about 10 or 12 short stories about the Sabbath worlds. And I started listening to it. I'll talk about that in my stuff. But the first story was basically post-Anarch. So the last Gaunt's book, this is post that on the planet. It's really fascinating if you know that story. So the first one was a real winner out the gate. But yeah, so those are all things coming out very soon. Brendan, you're up. Yeah, so I uh, picked up a new podcast. I've oh. made my whole personality about Formula One as of late. Uh, so I've started <laughs> listening to a podcast called WTF1. They are a mm-hmm. Formula One podcast. I don't recommend everyone getting into Formula One. It's very dramatic. It's very complicated. I understand almost nothing, but I do love a good bit of drama. But you're learning too. I am learning. And the thing I really want is to like understand the technical and strategic part of the sport and it seems like no one is willing to explain it in any way shape or form and it's driving me nuts like if any of our listeners have a podcast or like a show or something where there's somebody that goes through the technical strategies of Formula One teams and the design and strategies of Formula One cars, please write the show. Did you get a chance to watch Ford versus Ferrari yet? It wasn't on HBO. no, 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 no. So, no. We'll have to get it for you somehow. Okay. So... 
that podcast added that season four of Westworld going on right now. Mm-hmm. Episode one is all gas, no breaks. It's excellent. Okay. Listen to two whole books. I listened to Angron, the Slave of Nuceria. Yes. Because obviously working on my world eaters. The second is I listened to a book called The Great Commanders, where it's like a six hour listen. They go through six military leaders through history that the author felt fit the title of great commanders, you know, kind of your obvious ones in Napoleon, Caesar, Alexander, Alexander, obviously he put Horatio Nelson in there, which, you know, absolutely sure. Georgi Zukov was in there. Oh yeah. Which Russian army, you know, and the one that I was most skeptical about going into, don't say Montgomery. I'm going to be really mad. That's not Montgomery. (laughs) The, The one I was most skeptical going into that fit into that name and categories. And I don't think that the author did a very compelling job of convincing me that this particular general belonged in that category. And maybe you'll disagree with me, but it's General Grant. Obviously, he was a very capable general, you know, won the Civil War, but I just don't think that what he did fit into the categorization of great in the same way of what some of these other military commanders did. I'm no great military historian, obviously. I'm I'm a quality engineer. But he just seemed like he was the most capable guy at that moment in time. Mm-hmm. And... He was largely a logistician. He just made sure that all the stuff was in the right place at the right time. And that is, of course, great of its own merits. But I don't think that the author did a very good job convincing me that he fit into that same categorization as obviously, you know, someone like Alexander who conquered his known world, you know, someone like Julius Caesar, who at the height of the Roman Republic, you know, seized control of of one of the largest civilizations ever. You know, you're talking about Napoleon, who was consistently fighting four front wars yes, and winning. Of Horatio mm. Nelson almost literally destroyed the French Navy and saved England. There's no Not doubt. just saved England, made sure that they were the dominant naval force for over a century oh, yeah. as that the case. result of basically two very specific actions. At the that, Nile and Trafalgar, those yeah. the two. You know, so, and then fitting into the category of Zukov, who did the most with the least in World War II. Now, obviously, he had the most people, <laughs> but in terms of resource, job security, funding, like, I think that one of the things that Grant doesn't get credit for is that he was an amazing strategist. He understood the big picture in a way nobody else did in that war. Not only did he win the Western War, almost single-handedly as a commander. And he had a lot of obstacles to fight to be able to basically divide the South and set up Sherman for being able to slice the South in half. There's that. And then we take the other part that people, this is my opinion, of course, don't give him credit for the way he handled Lee because, you know, Lee was this figure that was undefeatable. He, and, he was just some guy to Grant. Like, he was well, just another general. Well, and here's the thing, though. I know that he regretted the way that he had to fight Lee. It was a war of attrition. But he understood that the only way that he was going to beat Lee was by grinding his army down. He understood that very well. And so he did what he needed to do and did what nobody else had ever done for the previous four years, which was grind Lee down and force him back into a siege situation, which is the last thing that he wanted. I just think overall, the way he ran the war, you know, he went from a very mobile army and our mobile campaign trying to in the west in the west down the mississippi and all that to a very static and the thing that was amazing i think again as a commander was he did the one thing again that nobody else did with lee is he never stopped 
Yeah, everybody else would like fail and they would just And they'd retreat. give him time and he'd reset up. And Grant never did that. He was like, he attacked, he would fail, quote, but then he'd just move around and he'd force Lee to do this. And he, you always talk to me in Sigmar games where you want to force the other guy to do what you want them to do mm. or keep them from doing what they want to do. That's exactly what Grant did. So anyway, just my thoughts about Grant. But it sounds like a fascinating... Some of the, right, there's three super obvious ones in Napoleon, yeah. Caesar, and Alexander. It's just like, yeah, 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 like. <laughs> you know those already. Right. Well, Nelson is a neat choice. I, that's really cool. I like that one as well. That's I right. didn't know maybe nearly as much as I should have about, hmm. obviously, we're not English, so. It's a little different, yeah. You know, but I really enjoyed it. Very it was cool. a nice, like, six hours. I listened to, like, three of it on my way to a one-dayer in Madison. Okay. And I listened to like the rest, the three hours on that following Sunday. Cool. So that's great. That sounds fascinating. So Dan, what about you? My Slammers book that I'm working through. I finished the first novella in that. I finished two audiobooks. I finished Cthonia's Reckoning. I don't recommend it. Really? I All think right. it gave me a better understanding of what Cthonia was as a planet and their society and their structure and stuff. I just don't know that it added anything. It seemed very, I don't know, focused on like the underground caverns and those kind of things. It just was not really interesting. I mean, I got through the stories. There were a couple of things that happened and I'm like, okay. And then I'd listen to the next one. I was like, oh, that was okay too. So if somebody's really interested in, you know, Sons of Horus and uh, Imperial Fist. Well, I'm glad I didn't you pick that up it. then. I was yeah, I, thinking about I it. I just wouldn't recommend it. But I also listened to a book called Huron Blackheart. Mm-hmm. And I have always loved Huron as a character. Since, you know, he was the leader of the Astral Claws. And, and there's that whole Battle of Badab. And there's whole that whole thing that was He's going on. He's got a on. cool narrative arc in the he game. He does. And I have this little bit of sympathy for him understanding what his story was and what was going on. And so when this story was evolving and the guy who did the voice was just it was so gravelly and even Cindy's making faces now because she was listening to part of it he was just like get my fleet get them here now and he did this the whole thing I'm <laughs> going poor guy it was like wow oh and then so it was really good it was very entertaining it just felt like you're on the other thing that was interesting was usually at the end of these audiobooks they're always like this is audible we hope you enjoyed this show well at the end it was Euron's voice and he's like this is the end of Euron Black and so the, the whole way through this is audible you know? yeah. <laughs> it was just so we fun. hope you enjoyed the show <laughs> It was really cool because you just, it, wait a minute, it's still Euron talking, you know? And so that was really, as I just said earlier, I put my grant listen on hold because I did start Sabbat War, which is that new uh, collection of Sabbat World campaign stories. Um, edited by Dan Abnett, and the first story was just wonderful. I have continued to listen to Darknet Diaries. There's over a hundred episodes, so I'm never going to run out. I've Never's caught, a long time. I've, yeah, and... <laughs> Always comes sooner than you think, right? Yep. That's the Brendan quote. I've listened up to the current one, and so I wanted to listen to some more. So I just drop way back, like into the 20s, and I'm just going to start listening. It just continues to fascinate me. As somebody who doesn't know a lot about tech, I just learn a lot. You know, as you talk about your Formula One thing is more about the drama and it's not as instructive, mm-hmm. this is really instructive. And the things I'm learning about the internet and stuff is like, whoa, this is crazy because it's going on all around us. Mm -hmm. So it's really fun. You, the listener, are able to listen to this podcast through the power of the internet. (laughs) Which is inherently evil. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 
And then movie-wise, I'm kind of doing a James Bond movie rewatch. So I watched the two with Timothy, Timothy Dalton, and I'm going to try to decide where I'm going to go next in terms of rewatching all of them. You know, the big question always for everybody is, who is your favorite James Bond? Well, for me, it doesn't matter too much. I just want to watch all the movies again. You're it's playing both sides, Dan. <laughs> Especially like the older ones, the tech is so different. You know, you watch a movie today, like you watch the Daniel Craig movies, and there's some things you just take for granted. And you watch some of the Sean Connery movies, I know it's going to be like that. I'm going, wow. Because as a kid, I was watching these movies, and I was like, this is amazing (laughs) back then, right? Because it was the tech of the day. Sure. So it's just funny how things change like that yeah so that's it for me i think that's about it for scriptorium we're gonna do an abbreviated version of this or that and we're gonna jump into that right now So, Brendan, since we've had so many questions from listeners today, what we're going to do is I had some homework to do. Yes. And I did not completely answer a question that you asked me last time. So what we're going to do is just catch up on those two things this time. And then next time we will, listeners, revert back to our five by five that we usually do and ask each other questions. So the first thing that you asked me was, who do I think is going to be in the World Series this year? Mm -hmm. And I really had to... You've done some research. You've crunched the numbers. You've done some scouting. You've gone to the ballparks. I didn't have to think at all. Because the Yankees are just untouchable. They are amazing. They're, they're very good. They're like they're like 750 right now or something. They're winning three out of every four games, which is insane in Major League Baseball. The other team, though, I think that has been consistent is the Mets. I think this might be a New York World Series, I'm going to say. That'd be cool. Point. Yeah, of course, we're you know months out, but it would be pretty neat if it was. I think those are the two I would pick. The other thing you asked me was, what was my favorite, favorite episode. episode. Now, it worked out well because I was going back looking over the history of the show, you know, trying to prepare for it. And you listened and to every <laughs> single episode. It's for like 50, 50 You spent 300 hours, hours listening to everything. I think episode 26. And listeners, for those of you who recall those ancient days, this was when we reviewed the Blades of Corn. And there were a couple of things about this that I remember kind of laughing but I think we had a good time with the first was the number of heroes and so we, heroes we went through and we covered I, like I won't be upset if they cut it down the eight next or time. ten heroes and we're like okay we're done and then we turned the page it's like there are more heroes and then we got through those four whatever it was we turned the page there's more heroes. This might have been back in the day where both you and I didn't buy books and we might have just been handing it back across the table. So. Oh my God. It was crazy how many there were. It was just like endless. And then the other thing was we had talked and kind of joked about skull cannons because at the time they were pretty good. Everything as worded. As written. Yes. They were Which I really believe in the good. episode I said, there's no way this stays. <laughs> and of course, you talked about my enthusiasm. I'm just like fired. It was like, Brendan, I'm going to make this list with this number of skull cannons. It's going to be awesome. The next day, literally, the FAQ came out and killed that. It was like, oh my God. At first it was like, oh, that's too bad. But then I was kind of laughing because we had made such a big deal about it. So that I think was my... Fi- and then the other thing in that episode, it was the first time you had bought a book in like years and i actually had that in the show notes that brendan buys a book for some i don't know what do you it remember was. what book i bought i do not i didn't listen to okay. the episode i was just looking at the show notes it's like you bought a book and it, i know that i would have enjoyed that so much oh 
Oh, I think I know what book it was. Which was? And one? you've read the book and I haven't. Which one? It's the Neil deGrasse Tyson. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. I know. Yeah. The okay. relationship between the astrophysics community and the military community. Yes. Okay. That I was still it. haven't read it. You have, though. <laughs> that was like years ago. That's so funny. All right. So that was my favorite. for listeners episode. who are newer to the show, part of the scriptorium bit was that I can't read now, you'll notice that none of my notes in here is me reading. It's me listening to and, things. And by the way, listeners... And I wouldn't even be listening to some of these things if Dan hadn't bought me an Audible I was just going to say, that is what... Got, so all these books that he's been talking about listening to, Dan is the reason that he... The ex- is exclusive it. reason... <laughs> you are listening to all, which is great. It's awesome. I still haven't learned how to read, though. <laughs> Not true. <laughs> all right. Yeah, Don't so. tell them. <laughs> all right. That's it for this or that this time. But stay tuned. In episode 101, we are going to have, as we have a guest, Tyler is going to be answering a bunch of questions from sure. us. And that will always be fun when we have a guest. So we'll move on to show close. There is something going on around here. Something you may not even know about. Just like last time, there are no Sunday announcements because, again, we are recording on a Thursday. Yep, you're traveling, so... I gotta get this out before I hit the road next week. Episode 101 will be... General's Handbook. With Mr. Tyler Emerson. Yep. And we're really looking forward to that. The first time ever five-time guest club. Yes, true. Tyler. That is true. And a reminder here is don't forget to send us questions. If you have anything about this episode or you have some stuff for what's coming up, you want to ask uh, some questions, uh, please send those into us and we're going to include those in the show close. And that's pretty much it, man. Yeah. Again, thank you all for everything to make this possible. And man, just exciting and it's so cool to be here. You're not supposed to sit on your laurels or whatever that they say, but... I'm going to take a little bit of a break. In fact, when you leave, I'm going to have a little more of this fine single malt. Yeah, if I didn't have to get in a car, I'd definitely join you. (laughs) We have a spare bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) No, I got to go to work tomorrow. (laughs) Uh, That's it. And everybody, take care. Stay safe. And remember, don't forget shenanigans because life is better when you're up to something. Bye. It's still too weird. (laughs) This is...